Hello and welcome to Die Hard on a Podcast. Uh, this is our twenty first, twenty second, yeah, uh, episode. And so that's something that's pretty cool <laughs> that we're actually chugging along. And because George Romero, who was a legendary filmmaker, passed away, was it two weeks ago? We decided we would yeah. do yeah. his movies. And um, we didn't want to go Night of the Living Dead because we figured that would be kind of too obvious. So we went, and I'd like to say, we went with Knight Riders, and the first thing I want to say is that I know Night of the Living Dead was, like, iconic, and it spawned this whole genre of movies, and I feel like Knight Riders should be just as iconic, you know, like, there should be Knight Rider conventions where people joust each other on, on motorcycles, you know, there should be Knight Rider video games, I mean, how awesome would a Knight Rider video game be? Oh my God. Like, uh... Next time I go to like a convention, I'm, I'm tempted. I, I never dress up or anything, but I'm tempted to dress up as like you know Tom Savini and Night Riders, just because it'd be fucking awesome. Right, <laughs> you know I mean? right. Or fucking Ed Harris or something, or even like dress up as like Stephen King as like the as the <laughs> the, the, the really like disgusting fan or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was like, there should be more cosplay of Night Riders for sure. Right. But yeah, this was after this was done right, right between Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead. I mean, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. It's about that. Yeah, so, which is really I don't know. It's just like really, it's just such a weird movie to get made. And they, I was listening to the commentary, and they shot it for ninety days. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, they did. Insane. That's crazy, isn't it? It's insane. Like this type of movie, like you can't even like kind of classify it as anything. It's like it's a drama, but it's like. I guess it's just a drama, but it's like a weird, like hybrid of I don't know what you I don't know social commentary. Like. Yeah, and, and like you know, actually, from um, there's like social commentary in it, and it's got that kind of like almost like the Warriors feel. Like it's almost like a gang movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's something that like I noticed when we were watching uh, Assault on Precinct Thirteen, mm. and um, in this too is. Doesn't it just seem like the world was a way more dangerous place in like the late seventies, early eighties? Like, like that whole movie, even though it's not really got like that whole warriors, you know, violence feel. Like the whole time, it just felt like, like random violence could break out at any time, and and everywhere they went, they were running the risk of getting like beaten up by cops, or the locals were gonna kick them and spit on them, and you know, and it just like the whole world just seemed grittier back then. Um, What's well, like 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 them riding around on their bikes the entire time I'm watching. I'm just like, what happens if one of the bikes gets loose? Like it's just gonna maul in, like the entire crowd, which never happened. But I was like the entire time I was watching, I was like, it's a really tiny circle. No, it did. It did happen. <laughs> it did happen. Remember the um, the uh, woman goes to save the baby and the bike hits her. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because in the very like in the very first one. A bike gets loose and runs off towards the crowd, and like some of the guys in the festival, like like head it off and stop it before it gets in the crowd. But then That's when they're later, when they're having that one joust, the bike gets loose and it's going straight for the baby. So the woman pushes her kid out of the way, and it just nails her. That's right. It's like, you watch it, it's like holy shit. Yeah. Well, and that was another thing that I was thinking. You know, like whenever the first they go to that first one, 
in the, the in the late late seventies, the cops basically just want to bribe. And even when they yeah. say they're not going to bribe them, they don't shut it down. But like in no. twenty seventeen, if they tried to do that, like every government agency for fucking three hundred miles around would be like, no, there's no way you're doing this. We're not letting you kill each other on motorcycles. Which I think is to society's detriment, personally. I think that we were much better off letting people do that kind of shit. <laughs> What's well, like the, basically like the, uh, what you would call the meat cute in a movie? Right. Where the, the people like, like kind of like run into each other. It's basically the guy's riding his motorcycle through the crowd and almost runs into her and like, like basically turns his bike over and they're like, oh, hey, what are you doing? Oh, you're adorable. Let's, let's take a ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's he was so like, true. Somebody. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and I love I love the um the cameo by Stephen King. He actually had oh, yeah. kind of a decent like you know he makes cameos in a lot of stuff, usually stuff that he's written. Which I don't think this is based on a Stephen King story at all, is it? No, but him and Romero were working on Creepshow at the time. So oh, okay. They're, See, they're so, about to do that. So got it. Not make that makes sense because you know I mean I was like holy shit Stephen King like I mean sure he's just an extra but he still has like a couple lines like he's like oh this is all fake it's like professional wrestling and he's like you know like your your average local drunk redneck guy I was like that's kind of awesome. Yeah, and like his wife is the his is his wife in the movie, and like says something about like the guys in the tights, and then there's a close up of like the guys like 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 crotch or something. I forget what she says exactly, but right, <laughs> something about that, and she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Like, <laughs> yeah. And actually, that 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 reminds me of just like I mean, in Birth of the Living Dead, I was totally blown away in the part where. You know, they're talking to, like, one of the film professors, and he goes, you know, it's an interesting thing. George Romero never says why the zombie outbreak occurs. And then it cuts to George Romero, and he goes, God changed the rules. There's no more room in hell. <laughs> and I was like, holy fuck, that is awesome. <laughs> well, it's like, the, it's like part of, like, the slogan for the Dawn of the Dead. It's like, uh, when there's no room, more room in hell, the dead will walk. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like the timeline, so it's like... <laughs> it's the best. Um, and you know, watching the documentary "Birth of a Living Dead" really made me sad because, I, you know, the possibility of getting to hang out with Jim, George Romero like is no longer around. And he seemed like, I mean, like, doesn't he seem like just like the coolest guy you could ever hang out with? Like, he didn't take any the whole interview. He didn't take any of it seriously, you know. Yeah, and that's like with all of his commentaries, they're like the most informative and laid back commentaries, but they're so like. So rooted in like do I like do it yourself filmmaking independent filmmaking. It's just like every time he's even if you don't like his movies, you're just like oh, you're just in all of like his right way like stayed independent the entire time basically. It's well, and you know, cool. I, I thought it was funny how it, it mentioned that he made that um short film for Mister Rogers about him going to get this tonsillectomy. Oh yeah, and, you know I actually remember seeing that as a kid and being terrified of it. And he even says he says that's that remains the scariest film I've ever made. And I remember being a kid and being like, "Oh my god," you know, like. <clears throat> well, when you watch it, it looks terrifying. It really it does. Look like and I like I remember being like really really scared of that as a child. Mm. <laughs> it looked frightening. It looked like it was like almost like a, some sort of weird dream sequence, and yeah, or almost like a propaganda film for like Nazis in freaking concentration camps or something, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's like oh, it's it's okay. He's a nice guy. He's yeah. just gonna it's fucking. Just, it's only a shower. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, now uh, back to Night Riders. Like I, I think we both agree that this is w one of the biggest, most underrated movies of. 
at least of George Romero, but I mean, I think of like the 80s in general because it's so different than anything else. I mean, can you think of any other movie, even in the last 30 years since that's come out, 35 years since that's come out, that's even remotely like it, you know? Yeah, it's what I'm saying. I can't, like, I can't imagine it. And it's like, it's like really long too, like, yes. which is shocking. It's like this really long movie and it goes through like a ton, like, it's like, it's like epic in scale, but like, it doesn't have the money for it, but still, it, Right. <laughs> it still anyone... doesn't care it's like whatever you, you know <clears throat> they talk about that too they talk about like how Romero writes with this huge scope in mind and somehow he still is, is able to do it no matter what even like his scale is like so big right they were talking about like Dawn of the Dead like oh my god you're not gonna be able to do this and they fucking did and Day of the Dead and this as well there's like how much fucking money do you think we got George <laughs> yeah yeah seriously like, somehow he pulls it off every time it's well, you know, and it's nuts that, that that was such a guerrilla film um, that, you know, like he was just some dude in Pittsburgh. And, and like the first thing it's the, the documentary about the movie says is he's like, you know, we we never really knew whether we were going to actually finish this or not. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to have the money or the resources. Um, and it is really remarkable when you see the story that they were actually to accomplish what they did. You know, I mean, it revolutionized the whole genre. It revolutionized horror movies in general. But, I mean, created something that we still see as enormously popular even today. Yeah, I mean, fucking zombies are everywhere. It's basically thanks to fucking George Romero. Like, good right. or bad. <laughs> like... Yeah, because before that, you know, zombies were actually towards their root. Because zombies originally um, were in Haiti and in the voodoo religion they would give you you know they would give people this freaking potion that basically lobotomized them and you know they were still alive but they were like the living dead because it, you know it, it, it freaking fucked their brains up so much that they could perform basic functions but uh you know not much else and apparently that's a real thing apparently you know, Ooh. it's documented that this has been done and that there's some concoction that they do and it basically just lobotomizes a person. It just basically deforms their brain, um, you know, and up until George Romero, that's what zombie movies were, were these these people who were basically, you know, just whacked out on these crazy voodoo drugs. Mm. Um, and he kind of took it to the whole new, like, back from the dead, I want to eat your brains thing. Yeah, I mean, he took it to a different level and like more of a, like a social commentary because all his movies are super like uh, just commentaries on like society and this and that so right a more political level for sure and yeah well yeah. And, you know that was another thing from the documentary that was funny was you know it talks about how the lead role is a black man but they never actually make a big deal out of it because you know he said we didn't we didn't write it as a black man. We just wrote it as some guy, and you were the best guy for the part. And I never even thought, like, whenever I watched it, I've seen that movie a dozen times, and mm -hmm. never once did it occur to me, like, oh, look look how radical it is that in 1968 we have a black man as a leading character who slaps a white woman. Like, you know, it, it makes so little emphasis on it. It's a huge statement, you know? Like, it's such an understatement that it really works for it. I mean, I never, like I said, it never even crossed my mind, like, oh, this is controversial or anything. I was just like, okay, he's the hero, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, and they don't, like, address it at all. And, like, do you think the couple that comes out of the, the basement when I learned that would, would be the type who would to address it? Right. Like, they, like, they would be, like, racists. <laughs> right, <laughs> but, right. But they're not, which is nice. But also, it's just funny to watch Night of Dead, like, with the contrast of his... His face, with contrast to like the the Living Dead faces, which are all like white and pasty. Yeah, 
But it's almost like like it's almost like unintentionally like contrasty, which is right. Like, it really he really does stick out against all the freaking white and pasty dead people. And yeah, you know, I also wasn't aware that they got a guy from the meatpacking plant to actually bring like actual organs and entrails from animals to use. That that like I I wasn't grossed out by it when I first saw it, but then whenever I saw the the clips of it, I'm, oh man, like I'm still like <laughs> oh god. <coughs> You know, that's they pretty that in, awesome. They did that in Day of the Dead, too, when the one guy, they ripped the one guy apart, and they were talking about the guy having to sit. Like, he's buried, because like, they rip him apart. The, the main guy gets ripped apart at the end. And, like, you can see his head still, like, moving. Right. Because he's, like, near a table. And he had to, like, sit there all day with all this rotting meat in, in his, like, fake stomach. And there was, like, everybody was just getting sick. Oh, and, like, I bet. He could just smell it all day. So he's, like, he was, like, oh, he's trying not to pass out. Wow. But, Fucking gross. Yeah, that's really gross. Yeah, well, and even George Romero was like, he was like, I couldn't believe how into it they got. He's like, you wouldn't yeah. get, you wouldn't catch me doing that. <laughs> and everybody was like, just like a local celebrity. It's like, oh, this guy sold cars, and this guy we did a commercial for. Right. <laughs> we had one random lady who wanted who could be nude just from the back, from the back, and like, it's like, yeah. Well, and you know, it's I'm never, I'm not sure if you ever spent any time in Pittsburgh, but. It was whenever I was watching the documentary, I thought, you know, that is so Pittsburgh. Like, I mean, it's just kind of whole the attitude of the whole town. Like, okay, let's make a movie. We'll all chip in and do it. You know, like, it's just yeah. it's kind of the way that town is. You know, yeah, it was always like like growing up. Like, I read a book about. I think it was from his one of his producers, and they wrote basically. It was called I think it's called Making Movies, and he wrote like a lot of, a lot about the with their the commercial production company they had was it latent image i think it was called right we talked a lot about those guys and it's just like like how yeah, everybody would come together and just it was just like this scrappy little group of like like filmmakers making commercials and then making movies and fucking yeah and that's awesome you know and i mean and that's the kind of thing that you that you see that gets you to the next level of film in general <laughs> you know like look at like reservoir dogs or um, I'm trying to think of some or clerks, you know, like, I mean, clerks is another great example is he basically just recruited his whole neighborhood to make a movie. And when yeah. it came out, when it came out, it was so different, um, that it really kind of changed everything. Like, you know, you can see like with Judd Apatow's mainstream films, how much of an influence Kevin Smith's early, you know, like budget, like I'm just going to take my film school money and make a movie mm -hmm. uh, is in that, you know? Yeah, I mean that's that's the, I guess that's the, the it's like the selling point for like not moving to like out here to L.A. to make movies. Right. You do it in a small town, it's like it's a big deal, and people yeah. will like chip in and do it. And that's why like one of the like kind of regrets now that I have like of moving away because mm -hmm. it's like well if I was doing this there, it was hard to find people to like be in stuff, but <laughs> because just because people didn't act in the area, but, right? Like, right. You, you wouldn't have the hassle of like walking down the street with a camera and people would go, "What are you doing? What's going on? Do you have a permit?" Type of shit. Right, right. You know, yeah. You, you could, you could go down. You could go anywhere except for the sheets. We did get thrown out of the sheets for trying to make a movie. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. <laughs> but, but other than the sheets, they were that that'd be fine. Um, and you're, but you're right. You know, like when now that you're in Hollywood, everybody is so jaded by it that you don't get that kind of excitement. Whereas if we were in Cumberland or like Frostburg or something, people would be like, oh, that is so cool. Let's do it, you know? Yeah, and you would get stuff for, like, way cheaper than free. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Would be like, 
the locations would look a little more authentic than out here because everything out here is just like apartments like what i'm trying to do with now it's like the, the filming i'm just trying to do now before i moved into one setting was just like well we all have apartments but they all look fucking generic <laughs> like, yeah just, yeah they all look like you know like within the last 30 years built apartments yeah, it's, it's like it's like. Well, how do you make something unique without paying any money? It's like, well, right. Whereas, in, yeah, in Cumberland, you'd have access to all kinds of different, you know, homes from a hundred years ago, apartments from thirties, and all that, you know. Um, but still, I mean, I guess it is kind of what it is. I, and you know, actually watching that was another thing that I thought of is that I think Hollywood and mainstream film in general really, really needs. Um that kind of revolution like it seems like every time that the movies start getting stale somebody like romero or quentin mm. tarantino comes out and kind of shakes things up and in this century nobody's really come out and really shaken anything up with a movie and so now we've got fucking superhero movie after superhero movie um and i mean there's a few high points here and there i've seen some it's not like i've not seen bad films i mean i've seen some really good films in the last five years, but nothing yeah. like Reservoir or nothing like Pulp Fiction that, that completely creates a new genre or, you know, turns everything on its ear. There really hasn't been that revolutionary film in a long time. Yeah, there hasn't been a film where everybody's been like, oh shit, I need to go see this. I mean, there's been films like that, but they've never, they haven't excited me as the way that they've excited a lot of other people. Right. Like, like Pulp Fiction did when we, when we first came out around there. In our area, we were just like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, this fucking yeah. Amazing. We went and saw it like five times in the theater because it was nothing like nothing you'd ever seen before, you know. I mean, it has to do with like saturation. Like again, it's like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. It's like I think it's easy to put a movie up on those things. Like yeah, but it's like it's hard to like find a good movie, like a really solid movie. Not that yeah. I haven't found one, like you know, but. Right. You just have to like, really search, I think. I just saw something that I wanted to tell you to watch on Netflix, and I can't remember what it was. I thought Ozark was pretty good. I mean, it was kind of more of the same, like Breaking Bad-style movie, but it, it was good enough to watch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like, you know, I mean, like, with Night of the Living Dead, I mean, there was nothing like that beforehand. It was all cheesy, nothing looked real, you know... Uh, the monster came, the monster came out usually the product of radio radioactive materials and it mm -hmm. chased the girl around or kidnapped the girl and then the, the hero killed the monster and that's the end of it you know and I mean in Night of the Living Dead the freaking protagonist gets shot in the head at the end that's how the movie ends he gets fucking shot in the head and they meat hook him you know well, it's like, it like the end of Night Riders spoiler he gets run over by a fucking Mack truck yeah <laughs> yeah like, and like, like and like everything's right with the world, you know. Like I know, like they have the big joust to see if he gets seceded by the freaking other guy, and, mm. you know, and that all works out. And he's like, okay, it's all good. And then he gets run over. It was almost like you know it, that actually really reminded me of the end of Easy Rider, you know, where they're I just think, you know just driving down the road and the guy shotguns them and that's the end of it, you know. I mean, this this seemed like Easy Rider mixed with like a Renaissance Fair, like right, because they would have like the I think they even had a conversation almost like Easy Rider about like like about like blowing it and this and that, like like a la Easy Rider. I was like, I'm pretty sure they they had like two or three conversations just like that around like a fire. They like, did. They, they did. Like there was the one where he talks about how he didn't want to get a whole lot of magazine exposure because people wouldn't tell, be able to tell the difference between like him and Charles Manson or him and Jim Jones and, and mm. how he's trying to do something different. And he's not mm. just selling a fair, he's selling a lifestyle, man. 
Ed Harris, the ultimate non-sellout. <laughs> yeah, and like I mean, and Ed Harris is just so awesome in that because he doesn't have a whole like he does. He's not really even a big part of the movie. Like you know, he's he's the main character. Yeah, but but most of the action and dialogue follows all the other characters, and he's just kind of aloof from it all. You know. Yeah, I think that's the point. And then at the end, he kind of like starts to like like enjoy himself again like when like he loses he's like grateful that he's lost because right it's like, all that responsibility is kind of off his shoulders it's like i can just enjoy what he created yeah and get run over by a mac truck because the entire time he's intense as fuck <laughs> like he's he like, really is you know like i wish we could see more more intensity out of that kind of those kind of actors like I was just like intense from everything. I'm not paying you fucking shit. Ah! Yeah, you know, like I, I mean, I know everybody talks about like Ryan Gosling and and how he and and I mean, and he is very does have a very good quiet intensity, but I don't think he has the quiet intensity that Ed Harris has. I mean, even in Westworld, like have you seen Westworld yet? No, I haven't. Uh, well, you know, Ed Harris has that whole like I am super intense and will fucking rip your brain yeah. out of your skull through your eyes kind of thing in Westworld. But, I mean, he always has that, you know, and he never has to say it. He never has to state it. He never really even has to do anything. He just, like, has it, you know? He got, like, a weird, like, cadence to when he does get angry. It's just, like, so intense. It's just, like, I think if anybody else was doing it, you'd kind of laugh at him. But since it's just Ed Harris and he, like, is so fucking committed. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's, it's right. Insane. Like when he barks at like Tom Savini for not paying, like he doesn't want to pay the the guy. It's like holy shit! Like what movie are you in? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, like everybody else is like, "Oh crap, the laws here. We better freaking shape up." And he's like, "Fuck that, fuck this fat law man." <laughs> I, mean, I think he calls him fat, doesn't he? He says like, "Go eat some more donuts, you pork or some something." I think like he, that. I think he calls him fat man. Yeah, he like, does. Oh. He calls him fat man. <laughs> That's great. That's great. It was like when he throw like later on he throws a pizza at the one guy and I've never seen a more intense pizza throwing. Throw, than, yeah. than <laughs> or or look at it this way. They're in jail and they're both in jail, but the cops don't have the nerve to beat on Ed Harris. They got to beat no. on his little fucking buddy, you know, yeah. like because you know and and like the cops are trying to play it like what's better if we beat on his little buddy cuz then he has to see his friend suffer and know he caused it. But we know deep down they're like we better not beat on that guy cuz he'll probably fucking kill us. <laughs> he voluntarily came to jail so yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> So Tom Savini has a giant fucking part in this movie. He's basically co-starring, which is insane. Right, and isn't he like a famous makeup artist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like one of the most famous. I was gonna say, I, like, whenever I whenever I saw his name, I thought, isn't he super famous in like horror movie circles for being like this huge revolutionary mm -hmm. makeup guy? Um, but that's kind of cool in and of itself too. Is that? They were like, hey, why not? And probably He probably worked with Romero a bunch of times. And like it seemed like Romero was like, I'm just going to put all my buddies in this one. You know, I mean, Stephen King's in it, for God's sakes. Yeah, I mean, Savini's from Pennsylvania, too. And like, oh, worked, okay. He worked on all the Dawn of the Dead stuff. All the, right. And then did all the Day of the Dead stuff as well. And he was in From Dust Till Dawn later on, like later on as Sex Machine. That's right. He was Sex Machine, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. also like known to be a, a giant fucking asshole. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I went to a convention a few months back, and he was there. Right. I got my picture taken with him, and he was like, he was fine with me, but he wasn't like the friendliest either. But, right. 
I didn't like take it, take offense to it, but like I heard from other people were like in lines or like, oh, Tom Savini, he's just like a fucking dickhead when he comes uh. to. And then, I mean, he was fine with me, but like I could see that because like I put my like arm around him. I don't know if he wanted that, but, right? Like, and he was like, oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I even threw up like a like a thumbs up. You know what I mean? So I was like, it's like he's probably like, what is this fucking asshole? Well, and you know, it, that's one of those things. It's got to be hard, you know, like. I mean, when you're Tom Savini, and I mean, he's even him, he's not like super, super famous. He's not like fucking Tom Cruise or Ed Harris for that matter, uh, you know, but I bet you everywhere he goes, like he can't even go get a pack of cigarettes without somebody being like, oh my God, you're Tom Savini. Uh, I bet that gets old, and especially at conventions, because you know, he probably doesn't want to be there. He probably wants to be at home, like doing bong hits and playing Left for Dead or something. <laughs> And he's got to come to this convention and, and act like he's nice and a bit of gets, just, just gets old. I mean, I'm not really forgiving it because you kind of yeah. have to take that responsibility. Like, if you're going to be in show business, then you kind of have to accept that, that your privacy and that your time is no longer really your own. Um, yeah. But at the same time, it's like I do kind of sympathize with it, you know. I mean, especially since you're charging forty bucks, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right, right. I think, I think you were charging forty bucks for a, like a signature and a photo, which wasn't too bad. Yeah, but that's still a ton of money. But some people charge for both, which is fucking bullshit. Oh uh, yeah. Fucking Robert England was charging like ninety bucks a piece. Wow. Like you get your picture taken or a signature for that much. <laughs> and I thought I thought Ric Flair was high at thirty bucks, and that was a picture and an autograph. And it was Rick fucking Flair. I mean, yeah, you're Robert England and that's great, but you're not Rick Flair. You can be Freddy Krueger. You're still not Rick Flair. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I never, I never got his because like the lines are so crazy for his. And it was like, right. And like when he spoke to, he was kind of a dick. I don't know. Like he did like a panel for nightmare. And I was like, I don't know if I like you actually. Right. <laughs> right. You're kind of like, what? Yeah. Well, it's like uh, Shawn Michaels, I think came around here fairly recently and his was pretty high too was it it was like 90 bucks for like i think a, a picture i think with him or something damn it was it's something crazy and, well you know and it was I, I, it was actually pretty funny um because we saw rick flair out in the parking lot he couldn't find his way in so he mm -hmm. was like just like wandering around the parking lot and he, he was kind of a dick i mean he wasn't really a dick but you could tell he was annoyed that they he they weren't letting him in you know and, and like everybody's like hey rick and he's just like rah, 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 you know like and then they let him in but like as soon as he got in that line as soon as he got in that line and and was actually charging money i mean he was just all smiles and super friendly hey great nice to meet you and then like it was so funny because i saw him after the show and like i mean as soon as he walked out of the freaking show he was right back to being like ah, fuck you leave me alone <laughs> What's like uh what's his uh Shane shout out to Shane Leatherman if you listen. Mm -hmm. He's like he's always got all these pictures of his kid with all with with, with all of them. And it's usually like in a hotel. Yep. Yeah. So he, he just like he's like, well he gets all these pictures for free because he's just like catching them as they're coming to the Right. And he's like got like a cute kid to use his bait, you know? Yeah, so like all of them are, <laughs> Yeah man like, it was, like sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. <clears throat> but yeah, that's how he gets around it, so which is awesome. So Right. <clears throat> So yeah, that's cool. But um, I, I just want to reiterate, like, I feel like we should do our part on somehow, uh, you know, getting Night Riders just a little more exposure because I like I remember seeing it as a kid, like as like a Saturday afternoon movie and being like, oh my god, what is this? I want to join, you know, like I wanted to join up and be a freaking Night Rider, uh, and it's just 
like it just shows how out of the box George Romero really thinks about films. Um, you know, the, he really doesn't care about conventional formats or what what was going to conventionally sell. He's still going to do a movie like that. You know. Yeah, there's there's what's the one guy, the the announcer guy. Do you remember his name? Uh, I know who you're talking about. Like, like, like that. I wanted to talk about that too. Like with Night Riders, it's like they have like a a conversation around a campfire about like uh, about being gay. Yeah. And at the time, it's just like it's just like the way it's done. It's like so just like matter of fact and like really kind of poignant. Yeah, yeah, and especially in the late seventies, early eighties, when there was still a lot of taboo around. Uh, being gay and you know comedians were it was still okay to make fun of gay people in, in in comedy and you know in the in the mainstream culture there really was kind of a whole I mean there was a whole gay subplot remember because he was he was in love with one of the Night Rider guys remember mm. and at like one point like he's on the mic and he says hey <clears throat> do you want to be my lover and the guy's like <laughs> yes yes <laughs> um, yeah I thought that was really cool because he was like he was like I don't know what I am. Yeah, you know, this and like everybody's like, "What's well, cool, man?" Like it's yeah, we're all we, good with it. Yeah, we don't care what you are. You're one of us, basically. Yeah, the one character's like, "Well, I'm 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 a lesbian and I'm cool with it." So it's like, "Hey, if why?" Yeah, and you know, actually, now that I'm, we're talking about that, it kind of actually harkens back to Freaks a little bit, like the old mm. um, classic movie Freaks, like that whole sort of "we're a tribe because we're and we don't care what you are. We just know you're different from society, and that's good enough from us," you know. Yeah, I fucking love. Fre- I mean, Freaks is so good too. I remember. I think it was you, didn't you buy the VHS yeah. copy? Yes, I year? did. Yes, I did. It was the best. And that we watched a- it over and over <laughs> again. I saw it in a theater up here fairly recently. I sh- I took a friend of mine to it who had never seen it. Oh man, you got to see it at the Egyptian. It was fucking. It's like uh, so oh, I can't imagine. There's so many. There's so many good shots. Just shots in that film. Like uh, <laughs> at the, towards the end. When the guy with the freaking no legs is crawling through the mud with the razor blade in his mouth coming after her. That was so fucking amazing. Like I thought that whole sequence is just like, oh my god, it's like Yeah. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever seen anything more terrifying. <laughs> no, that whole sequence is just absolute I mean, like, it's such great horror in it that there really isn't a boogeyman, you know, there isn't a bad guy. Actually, the good guys in it are what's terrifying and that's kinda cool, you know. Um, what's, and, terrifying, what's terrifying and also just like well yeah i hope they're gonna get this fucking lady who sucks and like right and whoever the, the, the what's his name the, the the little guy whatever his name was oh yeah yeah like she screwed him over in the snag and just like made fun of him and stuff so they're just gonna go fucking take her out and make her into a chicken lady yeah make her a freak yeah <laughs> she was she, i mean she took the toast she drank when they, they drank she drank to the toast when she said she was one of them so she did. I don't think she quite understood the ramifications of that, but that's okay. <laughs> and and I'm pretty sure he never got really any acclaim for that while he was alive. Todd Browning, I think, is who made that movie. It was it was it was banned until like yeah, like, like, like until you bought the, the VHS copy of it. I think it was yeah, banned. I think it was banned until like the 80s. And somebody you know like somebody told me like, oh, you've got to see this movie. It's amazing. And you know, it's crazy that they would ban a film like that. Yeah. That is like again so poignant, you know that it, the the monsters in it are the people who you sympathize with, the pe- you know, and it and it shows these people as freaks. It doesn't show them like oh they're freaks. It you know it really emphasizes the point that they're human beings, and that yeah. that the regular people are the freaks. And that like I mean that's just mind blowing, you know. 
Yeah, I'm trying to look up why it was banned. I think it was just because it was the cast. I mean, there's just just too graphic. I think so. Let me look here. Hmm. It was thought to be overly exploitative. That's why. Oh, okay. Which I, I, I can see that. I guess I could see that a little bit, but I mean, the, the actors in it—they probably didn't see it that way. I mean, they were—they were, they were freaking—they were all lifetime sideshow freaks. It was probably the biggest break they'd ever gotten, you know. Yeah, I thought they—they they like they treated the characters like well. They, yeah. they I don't think any of them as as freaks themselves. Right. But who knows? So, all right. Well, we're coming up on the old 30-minute mark. Um, I can't think of anything else I really... There's a couple things I wanted to say when I was watching it, but now I'm kind of like, um... Was Friar Tuck, was that the same guy that was in MASH? I don't think so. Like, I kept going back and forth on it. I meant to look it up. No, but he's been in a ton of movies. Right. I feel like he's probably been one, like a few of the movies that we've actually watched for the podcast. Right, right. He's one of those guys, I feel like. Let me see if I can find him real quick. Because he's like, I think they mentioned in the commentary who he is too, and like how many movies he's done and this and that. Let me see. I don't know if I could find him though. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, does he have a picture? I mean, he just really looked like one of the characters from Mash. Like I was like, oh, I know that guy. And then I'm like, no, I don't think that is that guy. No, I don't think so. I think, <laughs> but for some reason, every time I picture him in some sort of movie, he's a cop eating a lot of food all the time. Right. Like, you know, like, I, he's like, he's not the main character, but he's one of the side cops always right. eating. And I would like to, I would like to end the podcast on this. Right? Is we need to bring back casual nudity in films. Like, yeah. you know, in the late 70s and the late 80s, there was a pair of boobies just randomly thrown in there, you know, and now, like, you still see some nudity in, in films, but, like, they really build up to it, you know, like, it's like, bum, 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 naked woman, you know, yeah. whereas it used to be just, like, the girl pops out of the bushes and she's got her top off and, like, okay, or, you know, the guy busts in on them and the girl's got her top off and it's like, okay, it's, like, not a big central feature of it. And I, I, I just really like that. I think that that should come back in films. <laughs> well, so, yeah, it's like they busted on Friar Tuck with like the, like the large woman, and she yeah. just got hits out like with pizza. And yeah, they're like, like feeding each other. It's awesome. I think it's like, oh, look at that. Like, like you wouldn't see that probably nowadays. No, you definitely would not see that nowadays. You wouldn't see it at all because people would get mad that. They showed a big old pair of boobies on a big old lady, and, and there's nothing wrong with a big old pair of boobies on a big old lady eating pizza. Like, that is a good thing, and yeah, her, we, need, we need more of it. Him and Fire Tuck are having, her and Fire Tuck were having a good time with pizza, and, like, he had, like, devil horns on. I'm yeah. Like, a good time. Like, yeah, like, I'm like, those two know how to party. Yeah, it's like, he knows what's up. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just and, like, you know, and like, like I was thinking about it when I saw it. I was like, you know, it's just so casually presented. Like it's not, you know, like now if you see somebody naked, it seems like they actually build up to the shot of seeing it naked. And it's like it's almost a payoff in and of itself. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure it is. But you want the payoff to be like a little bit more subtle and you want it to not take away from the plot or the, the film. Um, it's and, usually not as, as, as used as comedic effect, I feel like. Right. Like, like for this movie, it was just like a little like like kind of like a haha because like Firetech was like she's like stood up and she's got her titties out. But yeah. it, was, it wasn't like a sexual thing. It wasn't like a exploitive thing. It was just like 
which is like a weird moment. I don't know. It's like it was. It's really weird. Like, yeah. And I don't think I don't know if you can do that anymore. I guess if they are, I, I'm not watching the movies that they do right. it in. Right. If people are doing it, please tell us where we find these movies and if they're needed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Um. So yeah. So um. Pat and Paul have a request for a movie they want us to request us to do, but I can't remember what it's called. So I'm gonna have to get back to you. It's called, <laughs> I think. Get hold on. Let me check the thing. Um, right. Oh, why did that just? Ha- oh, uh, yeah. And um, cause they they were raving about it, and they were like, "You need to do the next podcast on this movie." Okay. And I'm a little worried that it's terrible because. Uh, they freaking definitely weren't, um, were going off about how great it was, which makes me a little bit nervous. Well, the last thing Paul recommended me was Zomber, Zombievers, and, and that was, that was okay. Yeah, Zombievers was pretty good, yeah, yeah. I, I liked it. I, I like movies where they don't take themselves seriously, like, at all. Yeah, it was good. It was nice and short, too, so I was like, all right, cool, it's, it was like a nice, like, maybe 75 minutes of that. Right. <laughs> I feel like I remember that having like the longest credits too. Is that, is yeah. that, that movie? It had like yeah. really like man long credits to make it ridiculously long. <laughs> Get hit is what the movie is called. Get hit. I'm afraid to look that up. I am too. Maybe Get... a big hit. I can't find it. Is it a movie? Maybe that's not it. Let me look again. It's not Get Out, is it? Because that's not the Die Hard movie. No, for sure. the big hit. Oh, the big hits. Yes, uh, the big hits, fantastic. Okay, so let's do that. They were talking about how great that was. We'll do that oh next week. I think I looked it up to, like fairly recently and was wondering where the guy who directed it went. Right. He's like this, he's like, this uh, like Hong Kong action. Director. Yeah, Shay Kirk Wong. Yeah. Oh, that so, movie's like super nineties. Nice. Yeah. Well, we 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 did Night Riders, which is super late seventies, early eighties. So we might as well go ahead and do super nineties. And you know, this is weird. I saw this on Reddit, uh, and it's so true. Like, um, you know, said so the seventies and the eighties and the nineties all seem like really distinct uh, decades with their own personalities. But mm-hmm. like from two thousand to two thousand seventeen, seems like it's all the same goddamn decade. You know, like. Yeah, I don't know what, like, from, like, 2000, like, from the Y2K, like, on, like, I don't know what... Yeah, like, I mean, like, Y2K to 2010, like, what can you say, like, oh, you know, like, like, you can't say, like, oh, everybody wore swatches, like, in the 80s. Like, in the 80s, everybody wore swatches. Or, like, in the 90s, like, you know, everybody wear those goddamn surf-style things. But, like, I can't really think of anything that everybody did in 2000, you know, or, like, in the early 2000s. That's probably because we're old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we're probably just really old and out of touch. That's a good point. We stopped like following fashion at a certain point. It's like whatever. Yeah, yeah. All right. Good point. Good point. <laughs> so, all right. Well, tune in next week, guys, and we're gonna watch um, the big hit, which is a fantastic quintessential '90s movie starring Mark Wahlberg, Christina Applegate, and Lou Diamond Films. Oh, you almost got it. Avery Brooks and Elliot Gould. I mean, Elliot Gould. There, they, he was in Ingmar Bergman movies for God's sake. So. Yes, he was. So that should be all right. All right. All right. <laughs> See you next time. Thanks okay. for watching. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Thanks. Thanks for watching. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, oh, for thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.